The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday, which means it's time for the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hi, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling you. I'm mama away from Bordeaux, France, to uh, Madrid, Spain. Uh, just playing some rock shows out here, like I do. Uh, I um, I used to have a job. I never told you this. I had a job as a uh, drill operator. It was well boring. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, I see what you did there. It was boring. That was a good one. Uh, much easier to understand than last week's uh, herbivore joke. But thanks to Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan for taking the time out of his busy Guns and Roses. Sold out European tour to phone that one in. And while some of the jokes may be bad, terrible even, they are never boring. Anyone? 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 I got a uh, uh, Duff McKagan joke of the week of my own. I just heard the other day. Let me see if I get this one. Uh, Wit concert costs 45 cent. 50 cent with Nickelback. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. And speaking of never boring and speaking of uh, keeping you on your toes at all times, we're keeping the, the bringing the creepy back to talk is Jericho. I know you guys like the supernatural, paranormal, uh, scary type of episodes. Today, we got filmmaker Josh Zeman here, the uh, auteur, the director behind the Netflix documentary Killer Legends, which explores the origins of some of the most popular urban legends. You know, stories like The Hook uh, and Scary Clowns. And how about Poison Halloween Candy? You've heard about them all, but what do we really know about them and what truth is behind them? Josh is going to tell us all about the real-life true crime stories behind some of these and dispel some myths and explain, in some cases, which came first, the legend or the crime. And there's some really interesting things uh, to talk about here. Urban legends. I've heard all these stories before. Which ones are true? Which ones are not? I can tell you what is true, that we're about ready to start back up with Fozzie. The summer touring schedule begins at the Rock USA Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, next week on July. July 12th, we are opening up the main stage. We're doing a bunch of festivals this month. We're doing Oshkosh. Then we're doing, uh, as a matter of fact, we'll check them all 
about right now. Hold on. Let's see what we got. Uh, like I said, Oshkosh uh, for the Rock USA Festival. Then the Kadot Rock Fest in Wisconsin. Then we're doing a show with Soil, our old buddy Soil, at the Peoria Riverfront in Peoria, Illinois. Then on the 15th at Belvedere, uh, Illinois, at the Apollo Theater, it's uh, Fozzie, 10 years and Power Man 5000. So it's a nice little warm-up run before we head over to Europe, and then we start the Judas Rising Tour again in the States in August with Adelita's Way, Stone Broken, and The Stir. FozzyRock.com, all ticket information, and the place to buy uh, Fozzy's classic, famous VIP meet-and-greets. We do a little private rock and roll concert for all our VIPs. We take pictures, we sign stuff. It's one of the best VIPs in the business. Go to FozzyRock.com for all VIP and ticket information for all our upcoming gigs as we uh, continue the Judas Rising tour here with Fozzy. We're in Hungary on July 26th at the Pheasant Festival. How about July 27th in Prague, uh, the Czech Republic at Futurum. That's our first time in the Czech Republic. Then we return to Zurich, Switzerland at Work 21, Work 21 on July 29th. Uh, then we're at uh, in Italy at the Rock Planet in Pinarella di Serbia, uh, July 31st in Italy. Uh, we're all over the place, man. We got a sold-out show in a Schaffenberg with Mr. Big. We're in Bochum, Germany on the 6th and Berlin, Germany on August 4th. All across the uh, entire European continents there. And then we uh, finish it up at Bloodstock on August 12th. And then the Judas Rising Tour begins, like I said, with Adelita's Way and Stone Broken, August 24th in Atlanta. Go to FozzyRock.com and check out all the show gig information. Uh, and don't forget, we're also doing Rock Allegiance in Camden, New Jersey on October 6th. So get your rock on this summer with Fozzy and get creeped out right now with Killer Legends documentarian filmmaker Josh Zeman is here on Talk is Jericho exposing urban legends. Here we go. I'm here with Josh Seaman, and it's interesting because we have a mutual friend that we both worked with uh, named George. Plamondon. Yeah. I, I can never pronounce his last name. Plamondon. Plamondon. So he, he's the guy that I did the Butch Cassidy Searching for His Gold show, and then he told me about you and the fact that you had done this documentary that's on Netflix now, I think it just came up recently, Yeah, um, called Killer Legends. Yeah, Killer Legends. And you had done another movie called Cropsy, which was kind mm -hmm. of the forefather to Killer Legends. Yeah. And basically, um, I'll just give the quick rundown and you take over. It's, it's how urban legends became real mm -hmm. or vice versa. Yeah. How did you get in, involved in all this? I mean... Good question. Uh, when I was doing Cropsy, that was about a case in my hometown about... Staten Island. Staten Island, okay. New York. And in Staten Island, in the middle of Staten Island, was this abandoned mental institution called Willowbrook. And it had a really nefarious history. Horrific things happened. Terrible. There. Yeah. It's just... funny because in the movie, a young Geraldo Rivera basically jumps the fence and run in there. You see this. Explain what it was because it was like hell on earth. And this is real, guys. This, this, this is, is real stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is fun. So this is like... And it's, it's conditions like like a horror film and, and I'll get into like a little bit of that later but basically you had 60 patients for one attendant kids were severely mentally retarded totally disabled developmentally disabled and they they were just running around like they were running amok you know you couldn't control them and it's really weird like we think about it now like if if there was a rubber band that fell on the floor a whole bunch of developmentally disabled kids would like run and and basically beat the shit out of each other for a rubber band. 
Because it was a toy? Because it was a toy, because it was something interesting. And one person couldn't pull them apart. And, and, and there was no ability to understand that you were hurting this other person. Or there was no ability to understand that you were sexually abusing this other person. Mm. Or there was this no, you know, they would all rip their clothes off. They would just go to the bathroom in the corners. It was, it was horrific, you know. It was what they called at the time a snake pit mental institution. Severe overcrowding, and that was a lot of the urban legends. A lot of the other urban legends was that they were that they were treating that they were doing medical experiments on on these kids, and in fact they were. They were there was a hundred percent rate of tuberculosis. And basically, it happens from, through feces, basically, because the kids just weren't clean, and, mm-hmm. and so, but they were doing tests on them because they were trying to stop basically TB. I spoke to a. A, uh, a doctor there who's like, oh, yeah, if it wasn't for those kids all getting TB, we wouldn't have cured. Wow. You know, we, uh, it, was hep, it was hep B. It was hep, hepatitis B. So, so, so the legend was that they were performing medical experiments, but the truth was they really were performing Yeah, very much. And, and there was overcrowding. And so, you know, there was all these urban legends about an escaped mental patient who lived in the basement of these mental institutions, these buildings called Cropsy, who would come and get you. And we went to keg parties there and you know, smoked dope, basically did everything you do, you're not supposed to do, we did in these buildings, and there was always the urban legend. We didn't really think anything of it, it was just some story that our parents told us, and then when I was like 13, this little girl with Down syndrome disappeared from her neighborhood, and after this huge old school search, they found her body buried on the grounds of the mental institution. The urban legend had come this real. This is going through the woods. Like yeah. you said, old school search through the woods, like hundreds of miles of woods. These, right? these are abandoned buildings. You right. know what I'm saying? Sca- fully scary. And so the urban legend was real. They really found this kid who had been, you know, found in in a shallow grave in the woods. And the, and the police arrest this dude. And he's not an escaped mental patient, but he's a former worker who had lived on the grounds in a campsite. And then the police revealed to the community that this guy had taken a bunch of other kids, but they could never find the bodies of those other kids, so they could never convict him of the crime. It's called corpus delecti, no body, no crime. And so that was this horrific nightmare of our youth. And he ended up going to jail, sent away. And, you know, I, I was I met a girl. We were talking about it. We're like, hey, remember that story when we were growing up? That guy, Andre Ram, we're like, yeah. Remember that whole thing? That, it was like a horror film we were dealing with, right? It was, she was like, yeah. And I was like, huh, interesting. I always want to re-explore that story. And literally like a week later, the district attorney announced that he was bringing this guy, Andre Rand, back to Staten Island to stand trial for this other little girl who had been taken even years before that, never found her body, but her brother had grown up to become a police officer and kind of advocated for the DA to, to do this. They were basically trying to put another life sentence on him so that he would reveal where he buried the body. And, and so this became an opportunity for us to see if the the, the nightmare, the urban legend of our youth was it, real. It's unbelievable, though, because it, it's funny because I even uh, I grew up in Winnipeg, Canada, mm-hmm. and we used to go to you know, high school to go drink sure. beer at the haunted house. I, I, and there was yeah. another abandoned place. And I don't remember what the guy's name was, but there was some kind of you know myth of whatever, you know, the, the hammer man or whatever, you know, some bullshit thing. But it's interesting that. All kids kind of have the same thread of like, don't go to the abandoned house or so-and-so will get you. But in this case, Cropsy became legit. Yeah, I mean, in this case, it was real. But, I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, it's like, it's also like, it's a rite of passage for kids. 
you know, it's like, all right, well, let's go to the haunted house. You know, either yeah. you're with your friends and you're like, all right, who's going to go? Who's going to knock <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. door? Who's got the balls enough to knock on the right. door? Or you go with a girl. You know, she's like, oh, I'm scared. You know, you're like, all right, come here. Come come a little closer. You know, <laughs> that's one thing I love about both documentaries. Is it your wife or your girlfriend that's in my, it? It was my girlfriend at the time. At the time. Yeah. And you do that. You yeah. go into the woods at night and she's freaking out and you're filming. It. And I was like, this is totally what you would do. Take the girl. And then what happens in the movies is you take the girl in the woods and then the guy's waiting for you and you get your head chopped off. Exactly. In real life, it's probably not going to happen. But you're always thinking that. Uh, well, it was it was totally true. And, and plus, this was the 80s. At the time, it was the 80s. So we had devil worshiping. You that know what I'm saying? That was a big thing in the 80s, wasn't it? Right? Hell yeah. Like, you know, you had me at devil worshiping. <laughs> yeah. You know? If you're a heavy metal guy. Totally. You knew all about devil worshiping. Metallica. Right? Yeah, you know, my yeah. favorite album Slayer, was Master of Puppets. Venom, yeah. You know, I couldn't. <laughs> so it was like. It was like sanitarium, master of puppets, you know, the whole nine yards. And so, well, it was like, it was really Danzig and Mother and all that stuff. But still you know? the satanic, you know, influences, her yeah, black wings and all totally, that sort of thing. It totally, was very dark. Yeah. Totally. And so, and plus Son of Sam in, in, and that's like my jam, you know? So, you know, it was just this whole like conflux of stuff. It was like mental institutions and satanic panic and so what's interesting is the movie came out and all these kids were like oh this is like my urban legend was the same thing what's so interesting is that it became the basis for the second season of american horror story and if you go to the the last episode it, which season was i'm a huge horror story fan two cut was that coven two. uh no, no, no. it's asylum asylum okay asylum so if you watch the last episode asylum where the woman is doing it it's pretty much a shot for shot remake of crop of of the footage that we used in Cropsy. Don't they call him Cropsy in that? I hope not. Because I've heard that name before. Well, Cropsy's pretty like well known. So the interesting thing about Cropsy is that I was like, well, how did how did we get Cropsy? And actually, Cropsy came from Jewish sleepaway camps in upstate in the nineteen fifties and sixties. And what happened was, we were at, I was at camp when I first heard the story on Staten Island. I was at the JCC camp, so it was you know Jewish Community <laughs> Center camp. So I was at camp, but the popular film right at that moment was The Burning, and The Burning's character name was Cropsy. So the kids must have oh. seen that movie. Co- and this is the whole thing. This is where like we get into this whole. That's thing. it. It's it's telephone. It's co-opting stories. And, and remake right. them, and that's what we do as filmmakers. You know, we just co-op. Because the killer in the burning was Cropsy, right? That's, right. that's yeah. where I heard it before. That, that's right. So, with the with the garden shears. With the garden shears, yeah. right? Crop cut. You know, the whole nine yards. <laughs> now, the funny thing was, who made that movie? Who? Uh, it was Bob Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein's brother. Mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein, Bob Weinstein. That was their first movie. They the first the Weinstein dimension, Company. The yeah. Weinstein Company. That was the first movie, and so. They made a documentary about their camp, about the, the urban legend of their camp mm. when they went to a Boy Scout camp. When they were kids. When they went to a Jewish sleepaway camp in upstate New York. Oh, wow. So that story then comes and like gets transferred via the movies down to my mm-hmm. little neck of the woods. And we co-opt it and we call this, you know, this other dude, Cropsy, who was taking kids. But this happened to be somewhat real. And what was interesting also is like, you can't tell a kid like, "Don't go in the woods. There's a pedophile in the woods." That does, you know, that, right. that doesn't sell. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'd be like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Kick the shit out of him. <laughs> so, but if you're like, "No, don't go in the woods," and there's an abandoned mental patient, there's a mental mm-hmm. patient who lives in the basement. Kids are going to be like, "Okay, 
you know. Because that was the thing with in the Cropsey movie, because like I said, the, the Cropsey is kind of the first part of this story that we're talking about. There was kind of an underground system at the Willowboro. Willowbrook, yeah. That Willowbrook that they thought, or you thought, or some people thought that they lived underneath. Oh, they all thought. And that uh, Rand, yeah, Andre, Andre Rand, Rand who yeah. is the guy convicted of these murders, That's right. was kidnapping the children and then passing them around to other m- mentally disturbed people that so, were living under the tunnel. So here's the deal, right? This is where, like, you know, okay, what's real and what's not, you mm-hmm. know? And this is like, so this is the funny thing. There's kid urban legends, you know, which is like, crops is going to come and get you. Don't, you know, don't do that. You know, don't babysit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's adult urban legends. And adult urban legends are Satan worshipers, pedophile rings, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Pizzagate. You know, those, those, those are, those are adult urban legends. Adult urban legends are like, you know, these, these kind of different stories or, or especially about like, oh, the babysitter, like put the kid in the oven. Like that's an adult urban legend. (laughs) How how about this one? Did you ever hear that? And this is a little bit kind of, it was was Rod Stewart. Mm -hmm. And then you heard about Bon Jovi that he collapsed on stage with like a, maybe this is a Canadian thing with a stomach full of semen. Did you ever hear that one? Rod Stewart collapsed on stage? Rod Stewart first and then Bon Jovi. He collapsed on stage. Had a stomach pump and it was filled with semen. Like, Dude, was, everyone, maybe that must be a Canadian thing. <laughs> Everybody in, in, in Canada knows a version of that. Yeah, and Canadians will back me up on John this. John Bon Jovi's from New Jersey. He was like right across. <laughs> he's from like Perth Amboys. So as a Staten Island guy, I should know him more than anybody. <laughs> but there are, like you said, these urban myths. Like I, I yeah. heard the babysitter put the baby in the oven. Well, I heard that the whole time. That, that's a whole, that's a parental urban legend. It's about parents, like first time parents being like totally freaked out about leaving their kids at home right and that's and it was also about in the 70s and 60s it was like oh all those hippie freaks yeah because i was like she was so high on she was like, so LSD. high on that you're right, like she thought the baby was I a turkey the baby in the <laughs> turkey's basting no there's never been any documentation of this ever happening <laughs> no, no 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 but when you go into some of the stuff you discuss in killer legends, legends yeah 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 i loved uh, well you know obviously this is very deep and 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 sad subjects but i love totally. how you did it in that you went to find like did you put up a list of urban legends and see what you could find that yeah, fit, fit it literally we're like okay well so what people really liked about cropsy they're like this was an urban legend that turned real yeah but when you look at urban legends they're typically stories that are created from like typically like murder mysteries that are never solved. Right. And then a parent or somebody will co-opt that story and use it for their own, like to tell their kid to don't go do something. Right. So the hook, you know, the hook is like the most famous urban legend. And then give the background. What's the story? Right. So basically it's like two kids making out in a car in like, you know, lover's lane and, you know, they're making out and they, they hear on the radio, you know, you know, an escape, a mental patient, of course, has escaped or some guy from a prison. Uh, lock your doors. Uh, careful. He's going to go after you. And like, of course, this happens like right as like the guy and the girl are about to have sex, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, I don't want to stop. Stop. I want to go home. He's all pissed off because he's not going to get any. He's like, fine. And like takes a car and he like throws the car and jerks it in reverse and just drives out of there. And then he gets home and then he walks out and he goes to like open the door for her and he looks upon her door and there's like the hook 
in the door handle and basically the idea is like they were moments away from getting killed and thank god she was like I don't right. want to go through with having sex because <laughs> yeah, the mental patient had a hook for a hand yeah, right course, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know so that it's a wholesome Puritan thing you know it's right. like don't have sex in cars or like don't like and well, so it's like the movie Scream one of the rules of horror movies is don't have sex ever so, so this is the whole thing with urban legends they're always some kind of morality thing you know whether it's for parents like don't leave your kid with the hippie babysitter because they're going to cook them. Or the babysitter story, the other side of the babysitter story, which is when a stranger calls. Yeah. Which is like one of the first times a real like urban legend was taken exact into a movie when a stranger calls, which is, you know, the babysitter's at home, you know, and she's babysitting and the call keeps coming in. And she's like, officer, can you trace the call? And it, and he's like, get out of the house. Get out. It's coming from inside the house. You the know? Classic, yeah. Classic. And so, but that. That's an anti-feminist rant about how women shouldn't be in the workplace and instead they should be at home taking care of their children. Like it's 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 against babysitting basically. Wow. Because the girl – in like the urban legend, the girl's like talking to the boyfriend. Right. Like the boyfriend may be coming over and they're having sex on the couch and she wasn't paying attention. So Which basically the whole movie Halloween is based around that exactly. Exactly. And yeah. so – so they're all the same like morality play. They're all like, don't do this. Don't go to Vegas or else you'll wake up in a tub, you know, without a kidney. Without a kidney. You know, don't go to, you know, don't have sex with this person. A lot of us don't have sex. You know, yeah. don't have sex or don't do this. Don't go to like, you know, China. Who the f*** knows? You know, it's all this crazy the, the stuff. Organ grinders. Yeah, you know, and so, and so it's really interesting how they use these urban legends as morality plays. So the interesting thing is they still do it today. The internet, you know, Slenderman, or you know, they kill it. Like, what's Slenderman? Slenderman I, is like the big one now, which was kind of big back then, but you know, big like a couple of years ago. Which is basically he's the guy who you know appears in pictures, you know, and he's has long arms and long, you know, shadow figure. He's a shadow figure, you know, and 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 that's a and he's also a proxy killer, you know, and so that's just like it's about the evils of the internet. You know, and like, careful where you're digging. Don't right. careful which which site you go to. Well, wasn't there actually some kids that killed for yes. the Slender Man? Yes, there were kids that so killed. So once again, your urban legend becomes true because this is the whole thing about urban legends. It's this thing called ostension. It's this crazy game that happens with urban legends. I tell you a story. By definition of me telling you the story, the story takes on a new life, and then typically it sometimes becomes real. It, it's it's hard to explain, but it's like the minute you say it, it becomes real, and mm -hmm. then somebody will do it. You know, it's like okay, it's like copycat suicides. Right, doesn't make any sense. Yep, but kids will do it. I'm thinking right now, Kurt Cobain when he killed himself. Right, kids killed himself as a result. It's, yeah, it's a stension. Some some somebody does it, and then another person. It's not like copycatting, but you know, it's it's that same exact mm -hmm. thing. If I tell you that there's a killer out there named Slenderman and you can't really like say yes or no but like um he's out there and and then suddenly you know a girl kill you know these two girls kill somebody else in his name he becomes real mm -hmm. he wasn't real before but when the girls did it he suddenly became real did they think he was real before they did it yes like it's chicken and the egg now at this point right that's that and and that's what's kind of cool about it so when i did killer legends it was 2 years ago there was no evil clown thing 
Mm-hmm. There was no clown thing. And in fact, George was like, what are you doing with this clown? Or this is our producer at yeah, the time. Our usual you know, he's guy. like, wait a second. The clown thing doesn't really have an urban legend. I'm like, no, there is an urban legend about the clown, you know. And he, I was really into evil clowns because, like, my favorite character in all the movies at the time was Batman, you know. And, and I was into the Heath Ledger story because Heath Ledger had basically died at that right at that moment. And then so I was really interested in, like, Jack Nicholson saying, "Don't do, don't do the Joker. It's he- well, evil." Well, here's an urban legend that may or may not be true as well. That Heath Ledger was so dropped into this character, and it was so evil that he could never come out of it. That's that's exact. So I was like working off that. I was and I was into clowns, you know. So because- Jack Nicholson, sorry to interrupt you, but Jack yeah. Nicholson told Heath, "Don't do this character. Yes. It's too yes, it's too." up it's yes. too evil so, so, something like that wow so i was totally into that story because he plays such a great joker he's but off, like you said he's off the chain he's so dropped in i heard like you know, he took a lot of sleeping pills he's never sleep because he was have you ever seen the uh where he does the tom waits have you ever seen the tom waits interview no oh dude you have Heath to see ledger so heath ledger gets the gets the idea to play the joker like that from this tom waits interview where he does, does this whole tom waits is like smoking a cigarette and he's like oh my god you know and so you have to so tom waits went to australia and did this unbelievable interview he's just like it's like the equivalent of what crispin glover on dave letterman right, it's, right, it, it is classic, like that yeah. classic so into it yeah and so if you watch this interview and you put them together, it's all on YouTube. You'll mm-hmm. see it. And so it, that that was part of it. And so I was very interested in clowns. Stephen King was my favorite. It was my favorite movie. Pennywise. Yeah. And, and so I was just totally into clowns. So I did this clown thing. And by the time the movie comes out, I did the clown thing. The movie comes out. And one of the first clown things was in Staten Island, New York. And I was like, hmm, why would, why, would, why would a clown thing happen in Staten Island? Like maybe there was some kind of connection there. And then about a year later, all the clown things really just started to and pick you're up. talking about when you would see random clowns in the street. Is I'm talking about the real – so – Explain what – let's, let's, let's talk, talk explain about the clown, the clown okay. legend. I still want to go back to the hook. Sure. Let's go into the clown though. So the clown. Uh, so basically the idea is how did clowns become creepy? Mm-hmm. You know, they used to never be creepy. They were always Bozo the Clown. Now, some people always think clowns are creepy. And then you show the footage of Bozo the Clown in the movie. He looks freaking crazy. <laughs> it's scary true. as hell. I know. You know, I've never been scared of clowns, but now that everyone talks about it, I can totally see it. Like, Bozo looked crazy. Yeah. You know, like a monster. Well, you're you're always saying, like, who's the dude with the pancake makeup and why is he touching children? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, oh, that with guy's... The crazy red hair sticking out of the side like exactly. a horn. And it's like, ugh. Right, so the clown, but, but the idea idea was clowns used to be kid friendly they used to be right but before that they used to be kind of evil too you know when they were the court jesters the court jesters were never really like they're kind of looked down upon right yeah well they were like they they had a certain power in the king they could always make fun of the king and you know so they were wily characters i see and but then we got clowns and then we sanitized them we brought them they used to only be in the big top and by the way they always used to play drunks Mm, right. Good at, point. You know, at falling night, down, falling down, bumping each other, yeah. yeah, or like patchwork clothes. Mm-hmm. You like know, hobos. always bums, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, we brought them into the, um, we brought them into our homes, and then they suddenly became very, like, up in our faces, and then they became part of clown parties. 
Mm. And then everybody started to get really freaked out. Like, again, who's the dude who's who's wearing this makeup? Right. And then so we kind of charted, looked at that. And, you know, of course, everybody talks about the creepy clown, John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. You know, now he never really, like, dressed up as a clown and killed anybody like some of those movies. But we wanted to chart that history. But, the cool- but he did have a clown persona. He John did. Ha- he had a couple of personas. He also had the persona of the fake cop where he would go to. Wow. Um, he would like troll little kid hustlers, boy hustlers, right, right, right. and then put cuffs on them and bring them home. And this is what, in the movie Tombo that he he murdered like thirty five yeah, yeah, yeah. boys. Yeah. All like that's just I, you forget how prolific of a serial killer, maybe the worst of all time in he, our country. He was one. He was one. He was pretty bad. Yeah. So, but what was really cool was in the early early eighties. This is pre Stephen King it and pre. Poltergeist, there was mm. these thing called phantom clown scares. Uh, this guy, Lauren Coleman, was the first one to kind of figure it out. And this is pre-internet. Basically, we went to Chicago where it first happened, and there were kids from all these different communities who would see white, who would see clowns driving around in white vans. Hmm. And the white van is always a tip that it's a pedophile thing. That's right. Right. So it was always, but clowns had another, like, it was like an addition to that. Hmm. And uh, it, it was just freaky and, and very weird. This would jump from community to community, like black kids, Hasidic kids. Hmm. Nobody knew how it traveled pre-internet. And so this was in Chicago, and so we were looking at John Wayne Gacy, and we were like, was that connected? But this was happening all over. It would go from, like, Chicago to Scotland to Pittsburgh to Boston. Mm. Boston had a big one, New York. And so when that happened, there was never any certifiable sighting of a clown. In our show, we're like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if we dressed a guy up as a clown and drove him in a white van through an African-American neighborhood Mm -hmm. just to see what happens. Right. We did it and people freaked out. Mm. They're calling the cops. They were like, literally like gangbangers who were like, yo, that's not funny. You know, like they- You guys are lucky you didn't get shot. Yeah, but it was was pretty interesting just to see the reaction. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly people just went blank. Right. They freaked. Like bad gangster bangers would see- They suddenly, they were like- Little kids. 13 years old, you know what I'm saying? It was just very interesting to see that visceral reaction. And suddenly, like, about six months later, we started to see people actually dressing up. And that's the difference. Before, people weren't dressing up. And then they did. And, of course, the end of that piece was to talk about just how the clown has finally come full circle with Heath Ledger becoming the Joker. The Joker's like, I'm an agent of chaos, you know. And then... Um, I forget the guy's name, Scott Holmes. The in guy, Aurora? In Aurora. The Colorado right. shooting in yeah. the movie theater. Yeah, where he was dre- had orange hair. Like, So that is a stension. That is the Joker is on screen. A guy comes in and he shoots all these people in Aurora and he takes the Joker and makes him real. It's interesting because I, I thought that was kind of a – not a stretch, but it, like I never thought of that. But with the orange hair, and that kind of is the he totally was that. you know Paganini type of a clown type thing. He 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 was becoming the Joker, and the Joker was the ultimate. The the Joker is the ultimate fu mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. you know to society. You know, and it's interesting too. Even this year in Tampa, there was 
there was a couple of news stories where like you know watch the kids in the streets because there's the random clown guys walking around that never used to be just like to that. scare people or whatever but you're you get a freaking shot walking around like that you know that's what i'm saying like we and so this was a couple of years ago and then it became like a thing then it became a full-on thing and then it got tied into the alt-right so now there's another part of this whole thing which was a lot of people think the african-american fear of the white clown came from the fear of the ku klux klan mm. you know white sheet yeah, yeah. the whole nine yards so white face covering yeah, yeah so you know there's a lot of crazy yeah. history with that it's interesting how you're able to tie it together mm-hmm. do summer projects your way with memorial day savings from the home depot with free delivery on over two million items you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Let's go back to the hook. Now, yeah, you tell hook. the story about the hook being on the on the door handle. Yeah, because I, everyone heard that one. I heard it too. It's a great sure, campfire sure, sure. story right. when you're at sleep. So where did camp. that come from? Right. Where did it come from? What's your? Well, you know, it was really it was a, it was a story to prevent kids from having sex in cars. cars. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a couple instances of kids making out in cars who were actually killed, and that was in. Uh, it was interesting. It's called the um, Moonlight Murders in. Um, in Texas. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting was it was like four cases of some guy going around putting a white like sheet over his face and killing kids in cars. Uh, And this is real. This is real. Mm. Moonlight Murders, Texarkana, Texas. 1950s created a huge panic. Nobody had ever solved the case. Uh, And we don't know if that's where it came from, but there's other people who say it actually came from Carol Chessman, who was a killer in L.A., in Mulholland, Hmm. doing the same thing. Now, what's so interesting is you always have killers going to lovers' lanes. It's just what killers do. In real life. In real life. Son of Sam. Right. It's like... Zodiac killer. Zodiac. So basically, you have a guy who's mentally fucked up. Can we curse in this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have a guy who's mentally fucked up, right? He can't get laid, can't do anything like that. And so he's, how does he go and get off? He watches a couple have sex and then he shoots them. Mm-hmm. That's him getting off. And so it's kind of real, but it's kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where this whole like thing came from. And then it just becomes, again, parents took at least a case in the, in the Moonlight Murders. They took the fact that the crime wasn't solved. And they said to their kids years later, don't go make out in cars or else the moonlight murderer is going to get you. The hook man. The yeah. hook man. And then it, became, it then becomes the hook man. You mm-hmm. know? So it's very interesting how they get co-opt that story. And again, stories are co-opted for whatever's in vogue at the time. Back then, 1950s and 60s, cars. Teenagers in cars. American graffiti. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what it was. Right. Today... Video games. I could show you five urban legends about endless video games or the or the, the death level of a video game or, you know, playing for twenty four hours. Now right. some of you say, Well, no, that's true. Sure it is true, but you know, there's a lot of urban legends. Or now, you know, the chat slender room. Mm. Slender man, you know, in the chat right, room. Right, right. So 
they're all, all the urban legends are always relative of the time. Mm -hmm. It was interesting too because it, the, you you mentioned that that, that movie, uh, the town that feared sundown. Uh, uh, right. So that's cool. It was like the first, basically one of the first slasher films based on this Texarkana hookman. Right. So the cool thing is, is this guy Charles B. Pierce lives in Texarkana. He loves this story, and he makes this movie about it called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Sorry. Dreaded, now it's yeah. what's so interesting is that. He doesn't do a movie like a typical slasher movie. It's not fiction. This guy says, you know what? I want to take the fact that it was never solved and do a kind of, it was his version of a found footage film. Mm. It was his version of Blair Witch. Mm -hmm. He kind of made it like the hook man is still around, you know, and yeah. you know, the, the, the phantom killer is still around and he may be coming to you, yeah. you know, and, and at the end of the film, it's unbelievable. The guy's got vision. You see the, the the feet of the killer. You know, right. he's the feet. You standing see him in line. online to go see the movie. Brilliant, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's like, and it blew people away. People were like, "Holy shit!" I've never seen like a meshing of reality and film. The guys who did uh, Blair Witch said that Charles B. Pierce was one of the inspirations mm. for Blair Witch. Now, this guy does another film. He does another film called The Legend of Boggy Creek. Mm, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a classic horror film that actually freaked a lot of kids out. Based, was it based on a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch? Based upon, yeah. based upon, based upon a Sasquatch, you know. You know the same guy did those. So, same dude. So, this guy makes like a little cottage industry of, of uh, you know, making these films that are some part real and some part not and so the funny thing is this is where jason blum blumhouse comes in these guys are horror producers mm -hmm. and they and so we this is the ironic thing right we go and i'm i'm learning about the town that dreaded sundown i'm learning about the truth behind the hook and i'm learning about the real story of the hook and i'm like oh my god so it happened in texarkana and and i'm i'm doing some research and i'm like they play the movie on the anniversary of when it happened in the place where it happened for all the kids in the town to well, see. the actual murders happened. <laughs> yeah. They show a screening of the movie, movie about the murders that happened there. In there, right? Wow. And so that's basically the whole idea is called legend tripping, right? When you go to the haunted house in your neighborhood, you are what's called legend tripping, you go, you explore the legend that you grew up with, and you trip it out. I don't know, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know. It's like a, it, it's it's a folklore term, legend tripping. This town is collectively legend tripping because they're all going to the space where the murders happen, and somebody's telling them a story via the movie about what happened. Right, right, right. And I went, we interviewed the Park and Rex guy. <laughs> and I, was it, is it Texarkana? It's Texarkana, yeah. Texas. We interview the Parks and Rex guy. I'm like. And he's just like, it's hysterical. You know, it's like Parks and Recs meets a horror film. I don't know what to say, you know. <laughs> and and as we're there, they announce, Blumhouse announces that they're making a movie, a remake of The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And in the movie, it's two people at that screening who are relatives. Oh. Like, and I'm like, holy shit, Rachel, uh, who had been doing the movie with the time, were like, we are documentarians looking at this story, and now they're making a doc, now they're making a narrative film about documentarians looking at this story. Yeah. Like, it was like, you, you didn't know where this. Did it ever come out? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I never saw it, but people said they like it. Okay, because there is one, just before we move on, there's two things if you haven't seen it. One is that uh, it's the only other thing I've ever seen Marianne from Gilligan's Island in. I know, I know. This might have been on Love Boat or Fantasy Island, I'm sure, but as far as the movie. And then there's a great death scene where a girl gets tied up to a tree and gets stabbed by a trombone where the guy's playing the trombone with a knife tied to the end of it, and he's blowing the trombone into her back. <laughs> There's some real like sex stuff going on there where the dude's blowing a trombone and it's spearing the girl. I was like, oh my god! Like, but did you say? But the, the, you said that the idea from that is she was a musician, and in the movie she plays trombone because they wanted to do the death. But in real life, the real girl played like saxophone or something. Yes, exactly. The real yeah. girl, yeah, like it had nothing to do with that. But you know, that's taking creative license. Well, sure, but she did was was actually a musician playing a brass yes. instrument. So. Yeah, so <laughs> so everybody's so you know I can't tell you how many questions we had to field whether or not you know the, the yeah, trombone, trombone really was real. Let you mention it in passing. Let's go to the to the babysitter. Yeah, um, like we said, the the famous one of like the, the crank call, crank call, crank call, call the cops, and it's oh my god. The call's coming from upstairs. I mean, we've all heard that one. Yep. So what What kind of... So the amazing thing is, right? And it's not just that. Like, there's 8,000 movies that came out in the 80s about sure. the babysitter getting killed. And of Halloween course, being the first. Absolutely. So and, and, like, Scream being, like, you know, so much so that, you know, everybody got it nostalgic and, you know, you know, that's where the, that's where the rules come in. Right. You know, can't be a slut, you know, right, you yeah, know yeah. because if you're a slut, you're going to get killed. Yeah. You know, you got to be pure of pure of heart and mind. And so, um, and so we're like, Oh, there's gotta be cases of like babysitters getting killed. Could not find many cases wow. of all of babysitters getting killed, which is so weird. Right. The girl is home alone. And you would just think, like, some bad shit is going to happen, like boyfriends who go too far mm-hmm. or or something. And and surprisingly, we didn't find that many cases, but we found one, and it ends up being wickedly horrific because, like, this babysitter gets killed. She's, like, 13 years old. She's kind of overdeveloped, and, like, it's just, like, became kind of weird. And then... Strangled with an iron cord. Right? Yeah, yeah, and then... And then it, and this is so. This is weird, right? This is in Mizzou. Where's that? Mizzou. Uh, uh, yeah, Columbia. Oh, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Mizzou, Columbia, and okay. so um, where Mizzou, the university is. Gotcha. And so this happens in Columbia, Missouri, and so basically this white babysitter gets killed, and the police in the 1950s find the black guy, round him up, and like kill him, like quickly, quickly, like like not a not a long trial. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, another babysitter gets killed. And then everybody's like, and rather than being like, I think it was like, rather than being like, maybe we did the wrong thing, they find another black guy and kill him. You know, it's like, and I'm just sitting there like speaking to like the locals. I was like, is was this, because I just didn't get it. You know, it was Missouri, you know? And I'm like, is this like, you know, like a, a real racist thing happened in Missouri? And the woman's like, Hell yeah! This is like, this is it's bad here. I I, I didn't have any idea, mm-hmm. and then about six weeks, six months later, that, that whole prob- a problem happened at University of Missouri, I guess, or Mizzou, and then you know they had some whole issue. So it was just very interesting to see how race came into it, but 
that was one of the only cases of that we found of a babysitter really you'd getting be killed. Thinking once again, like, yeah, like I babysat when I was a kid, sure, and you were so scared when it hit that kids go to bed and just be sitting there like if someone knocks on the door I'm gonna freak out. Yeah, but to not find anything. Well, we didn't find many, but of course the irony is. There were a lot of cases. There's a lot of cases on the flip side. There are cases of babysitters not cooking the kids, but like Killing beating the kids, the kids yeah. or whatever. Or the boyfriend beats the kids. Boyfriend comes over and beats the kids. So there really were a lot of those situations, but not a lot of the of the lone girl mm-hmm. getting killed in the house. But the stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Because even the one you're talking about is, is the guy that, that might have been the killer. I can't remember what his name was. It was the white guy. Yeah. Um, he, he was friends with the it babysitter. The he, had tried to, he had tried to get the babysitter to babysit for his kids. Right. So he knew that she was he alone. Knew, he knew that she was alone. So it was an adult. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It was like a neighbor, a friendly neighbor of, the, of all like the families who were getting mm-hmm. babysitting done. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, like it was the, it was the dad, <laughs> you know, so, like in a way. So how do you – like f- – if you're going to do this and you say we couldn't find any cases of a babysitter. Getting- we wouldn't do that case then. Sure, I understand. But how do you even research it? Like, what do you do? That's, you're I, talking about a whole history of the United States. For a good four weeks, we searched for cases of babysitters getting killed or being killed. You just Google that at first? Just hours and hours and hours of it. And then you see something where it says, okay, like there's Mizzou. And then do you call the Mizzou Police Department? Like, how do you kind of get involved? No, in like, they'll, they'll typically be, like, in that one, I think it was just, like, looked in old newspapers, you know? It's just, like, research, mm-hmm. you know? And, and a lot of them, like, for years, like, I had gone through and, like, gotten a fairly good list of urban legends that had become true, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them. You know, again, a lot of them, all, the, a lot of our urban legends all have some sort of truth behind them. It is the fact that it's a case that doesn't get solved or there's some mystery or there's some some question and then that allows you as the storyteller to take that and then be like okay you know mm-hmm. and, and use it co-opt it was there any that that you found out that you couldn't use for they weren't as exciting or for time purposes um uh, organs you know there were a lot of or you know oh, the like question, waking up with the yeah like the question was was that really happening and like it it was happening but people were selling them but then that's changed mm. like now there really are a lot, were cases but before there weren't that many cases mm-hmm. um, like drugging somebody and taking out their kidney yeah you know, literally putting him in the ice and all that stuff. No, not like okay. not not that bad, but like there was a case in New Jersey of some guys who were who were like they weren't stealing organs, but they were definitely like selling organs. So you would go to them and be like, "I'll give you my kidney for forty grand." Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, a couple of Israelis. Um, <laughs> there were definitely a, a, a whole bunch of them. Uh, dungeon. We did the Dungeons and Dra- we looked at the Dungeons and Dragons one. Which one is that? Well, that's all like Dungeons and Dragons. The you know, in the 80s, everybody's like, you're going to kill somebody over Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you know, you're going to get possessed or something <laughs> like that. And there were, there were, it was interesting. There were cases of people getting killed in Dungeons and Dragons, but it was more that the kids were just like totally f***ed up. And then when they had an opportunity to blame it on something, 
the priest was like, was it Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> the kid was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, it's just like the same thing with heavy metal with like yeah, the, exactly. the backwards messages of Judas Priest. And oh, Ozzy. my God. You know, like I said, if you were a metal guy or a Dungeons and Dragons guy, my poor mom, I was both. Right. So I was really going to be, totally. up, you know, a satanic priest or whatever. But it's interesting what you just said. Um, there was something in the movie, too, where you said, listen, if you show somebody a picture and go, All right, yeah, this guy looks like a killer, right? Yeah. Or this guy looks like a priest, right? People will go, you're right. Yeah. It's interesting with that power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that coming through. Do you think like, for example, like the Andre Rand, who was the Cropsy, yeah. never admitted to it, double, you know, life sentence. Sure. Do you think that he had done some of this? Well, as somebody always says, the murder stopped when he was arrested. Mm-hmm. So you got to just look at it kind of logically. I I think he did something. Right. I don't think he did all of it. You know, that's the problem. Like, typically what happens in, like, a law enforcement scenario is you get one guy who does something bad, and then law enforcement just loves to, like, pile on all the old cases. They they want the conviction. Yeah, of course. Then, you know, to give the the parents the closure. No, or or their books. Or their clothes. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. Their stats. It's all stats, you know, these days. So... So, I mean, I've done shows. I did a show called The Killing Season that's on Amazon where we went around and looked at unsolved serial killer cases because of Long Island. You know, Long Island. What's Long Island? In in Gilgo Beach, Long Island, there were 10 sex workers who were killed and whose remains were buried on this one. Sex workers? Prostitutes. Okay, gotcha. Who were all killed and their remains were all dumped on this highway called Gilgo Beach. And the what year is this? Uh, 80s? Oh, no, 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 2013. Wow. Inter- okay, so oh, yeah, it's real recent. Okay. Yeah, this is real recent. It's it's probably one of the most bizarre serial killer cases I've ever seen mm. in my life, which is why I spent two years investigating it. <laughs> so they would put the remains on the beach, and you said the police... They put the remains on the beach, but some were whole, others were just body parts, and the Suffolk County Police in Long Island, they couldn't figure out what was going on, and, and, and the police were just fumbling it, and it was actually, I think it's two killers. Um, and then from that, we looked at all these other cases of sex workers around the country who are being killed via serial killer, Atlantic City, Daytona, Oklahoma, Albuquerque, and then just to try and see if there was a pattern between them. So it's very interesting. Are, are, like you mentioned for the Gilgo Beach, you, you thought there were two killers. Did they actually find anybody? No, they've never found anybody. Because that's the thing you always hear, too, that serial killers will eventually give themselves up. Or maybe that's an urban legend as well. Uh, How can you kill 13 people and not get caught? It's a good question. Mm. Serial killers don't usually get caught. They usually die or go to prison for something else. Oh, get get busted for stealing a car or something. Yeah, or, or not really that, like domestic abuse or, mm. or rape or something like that. So in this case, I don't know if these guys are ever going to get caught. There's two of them. I believe it's two of them. One is the guy by name of the Matterville Butcher. He, he's a torso killer. And the other What's a torso killer? Torso killers are very... He's like one of the worst kinds of serial killers. A torso killer. There's there's not that many of them, but there was one in Cleveland. Uh, a torso killer gets enjoyment from basically cutting off arms and legs and watching and like that kind of like. Well, someone's still alive? Sadistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Versus somebody else who just like smother you and, and kill you. Mm, so torso shoot killer. you or whatever. Yeah. And so basically they, they were finding all these dismembered body parts and they couldn't figure out whether the guy was really dismembering as a what's called a forensic countermeasure I, basically i don't want you to know what i'm doing so i'm going to chop you up and spread your body parts all around so that way the police can't even know mm. what's going on versus a guy who's like doing it for enjoyment wow yeah it's 
how, how is it? It's like the movie pieces, you know? Yeah. How is that for you? Like, you know, as, as a, you know, even just, and we'll get into some of these other, other subjects, but just to see how far down the hole the human race can go. Does that affect you as a person? Cause it bums me out, man. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, that actually, I felt we were really helping a bunch of, a lot of sex workers have a voice. Mm. Their mothers, their family members felt that the police did not give a shit. Uh, society just didn't give a shit because they were sex workers. Yeah. And it's prostitutes, like, right? Yeah, no little girl ever wants to grow up to become a prostitute. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, it doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, a lot of them fell into opioids, you know, like, I, I very early, this is a year and a half ago, we were like sitting here saying it's a, it's a combination of opioids and sex work and back page just creating this perfect storm where the, where violence against sex workers is up 70%. Like I felt good that we were exposing some of that. Yeah. And A&E, you know, A&E was the guys who did it. They were just like, uh, uh, uh like, can't we go back to showing like some like light shit? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, no, this is hardcore we're going hardcore have you ever thought just out of, out of curiosity about the jack the ripper case i have that was very so very interestingly enough jack the ripper you know it's the beliefs that there were two of them um and one really yeah one was a torso killer it's called the white hall uh, the white chapel murders so that was a very interesting thing and there's a big parallel in the killing season to the jack the ripper case because it's believed that Jack the Ripper actually there was two of them and one was a torso killer and the other guy was being a copycat and the same thing mm. basically happens in Long Island. So do these two guys know of each other? Are so they, that's the whole thing. Are they like, working in tandem or? It's like, it's not like some movie. It's you're trying to be like, well, is it like some like crazy like kiss the girls movie or something like that? You know, and it's like, no, it's like, it's all ego. Basically one guy gets in the paper, the other guy gets pissed off and he's he's going to go in and try and like he wants the do, attention do, do do it better yeah and that's what you were saying about the john wayne gacy dressing as a clown that he didn't dress as a clown to, to attract children he did it to be the center of attention yeah, that's yeah, what he yeah wanted. exactly yeah so there's a big ego with these, totally. these killers right 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 because wasn't one of the jack the ripper one of the rumors is that it was like a royal like a prince or something yeah like this? i mean i don't you know if you read that that is definitely one of the one of the things mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't quite i don't know as much but we got a lot of they're called ripperologists hmm. looking at our case on Long Island just because like, oh, my God, a modern day yeah, Jack yeah, right, the Ripper right. case. And, and it kind of was because it was after sex workers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And there's always this kind of very old school or like primal like thing between serial killers and sex workers. That's what I was trying to, to look at. Like mm-hmm. why? You know, and it's like because sex workers are willing to go with guys expose themselves basically right just you know? on on, on, a, on a, a promise of some money right and and they're willing participants mm-hmm. and so they become the easiest prey mm-hmm. and so that was a very interesting kind of like you can draw them into your room with no worries whatsoever because well, that's what they do it and the internet changed all that you know it used to be everybody was like oh you know it was it was very interesting these girls were saying to me that back in the olden days old days i don't know you know they would approach a car they'd lean into the car window right and they would be able to be like they could tell they had spidey sense mm-hmm. and the spidey sense would say clean car baby seat in the back guy's a dad yeah perfect <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'm gonna get paid and he's not gonna be gross and mm-hmm. you know he's not gonna go enough you know versus like a car where like 
shits everywhere and it's really gross and it's like the guy's you know bad hygiene and they're like eh, mm-hmm. you know i don't know you know and so but the internet happens and then it's meet me at the holiday inn and they would wow yeah with no there's no uh, uh what's the word I'm a pre-interview there's, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no like look-see right, right right you know what i'm saying like that's the whole thing like you make a decision about a person in like 0.3 seconds i walk sure. i walk in i look at you i'm like oh this guy's this 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 and this right then you get to change that decision you know and these girls they don't you know that's they were that was their spidey sense you know and but when you open up the door to a hotel room because now with via the internet now it's to a hotel room now it's meet me at room 305 you know? <laughs> like us right exactly <laughs> right at the holiday inn 305 yeah. right off the long island expressway mm-hmm. we're gonna get this done mm-hmm. you know and so they and so the girl like the door opens and whoever it is is like come on in and he's probably half hidden behind the mm-hmm. door so suddenly that whole exchange is no longer there yeah he steps she steps in the room door closes done and then they have that yeah that moment but by that point that's all it takes it's done yeah you know, at that point if it's a bad deal, two guys jump out of the closet and then it's a party. Right. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not what I signed up for. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. But it's too late at that it's point. too late. So uh, it, the internet, everybody's like, oh, the internet's so good. It's going to, you know, it's going to give these girls, they, don't, they won't have pimps. And, and yes, that's absolutely true. They won't. But you just don't realize the new level don't have of, that moment of, the, of your own human instincts yeah yeah you know? yeah and josh is a true rocker i know open a bottle with a lighter <laughs> i could never do that open a beer with a lighter here's another one then this one is is the one i wanted to save for the last one because it's something that we've all gone through as kids and mm-hmm. now i have three kids i don't know mm-hmm. if you have kids or not but mm-hmm. it's the halloween the the, the trick-or-treat the candy man mm-hmm. whenever they go out for candy you bring it home and you look through the treats and anything that looks fishy, you throw it away. If there's a razor blade do in you it. Do that? Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. And my dad, I can vividly remember my dad doing it too. And you're laughing, mocking me. I'm not mocking. But, 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 but in, a, in a fun way, like up until I watched this today, because I watched yeah. the movie today, Killer Legends, I never knew the real story behind it. Mm-hmm. So, so tell everyone because bl- that this one out of all of them blew my mind because it's something that relates that I relate to. Right, right, right. You know, uh, basically in Houston, Texas, there was a little kid, um, O'Brien, Timothy O'Brien, Timmy O'Brien. Yeah. Right, eight. I think he's eight or something like that. He had gone trick or treating with his dad and his family, and he got home and he ate. A pixie stick and he swallowed the sugar in the pixie stick and he died mm. and pixie it, stick that his dad picked out for he, him yeah, right? yeah and it was cyanide there was cyanide in the pixie stick and the it was a horrific you know this is on halloween and it was a horrific story and it kind of made a little bit of sense to the police and then they started to take the dad Ronald O'Brien through his store and he's like oh I got the candy from this house over here but then they went to the house and there's like oh we didn't give out pixie sticks you know and suddenly start taking them back through the story over and over again and basically they bring him in for questioning and he's like well you know my son had a poison pixie stick it happens all the time 
and the police started to go through and look and they realized it doesn't happen all the time. Like people aren't really being poisoned by pixie sticks. And then they realized that this guy had poisoned his own son. The reason for insurance money, right? For insurance yeah. money. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so this is the perfect example of a stention. There are legends about people poisoning candy. This guy says, oh, I know the perfect way to poison my kid and get insurance money. I will – he doesn't realize that it's a legend and not truth. He thinks it's truth. So he puts the poison in a pixie stick, goes out, puts it in his kid's, kid's bag. Kid goes to home. Dad, can I have some of the candy we got today? He gives him the poison pixie stick. Right. And, and he didn't realize that it wasn't true. You know, you know, he sorry, he didn't realize it. You know, this really didn't happen. And so, when the police started doing the investigation, they're like, "Oh my god, you know, you're busted. Mm -hmm. This doesn't really happen. This is an urban legend, and you are busted." Mm -hmm. And the irony is, it didn't happen until this guy made it so. And now people do check their candy because of this story of this dude. You know, there, there, there really is very, very, very few instances of anybody poisoning candy. We, we interview this guy, Joel Best, who's this kind of urban legend historian. He also deals with urban panics. And he goes, every year, the news media comes to me and they ask me the same questions. And every year I tell them the exact same thing. There has never been a recorded case of a kid of a stranger intentionally like putting a razor blade in candy. So when you see these stories of a pin so of glass, it is typically the kid or the brother or sister or the parent who's doing it, not to poison their own, just to get attention. Mm. Just just to be so like. So the kid will put a pin in his candy bar, go, look what I found. Run up. Or the parent, or the parent, you know, crazy yeah. parents out there, you know, or all this other stuff. But meanwhile, this hysteria has totally taken over. It's become so real that, like, now people won't even like, you know, uh, yeah. go for candy. You know what I'm saying? But it never, ever really happened, except by the one guy who did it because to he him had, to himself, to yeah. himself. You know what I'm saying? That's so crazy though, because every year, I mean, my kids are, are almost at a Halloween age now, but throw it out on the floor like i said you look at those little shitty orange candy ones you throw them yeah. away and well it, it, there's an apple that's gotta go yeah, in no way right but because what you said is there's never been like a razor blade found in an apple or any of those things now i think in the past like two years we started to get a lot more because again we we get a lot more copycats now than we've ever done whether it's clowns whether it's murder mm. whether it's anything you know it's it's we live in a society where you see it and then you do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, because of the internet, social media, the whole nine yards. Well, because you think it's something that's going on. Like you said, like with the father with the poisoning of the candy. Well, yeah. obviously this is a thing. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's yeah. not. It's just a rumor. Right. Well, like the – what is it? The ice water challenge? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y you know, like – A couple years ago. Sure. Like y we would never have those things – 20 years ago it's just like you see it on social media you oh then do everyone's it. doing it right yeah yeah you know, you know what i'm saying so, i challenge josh and dave to do it and then sure, you guys do it right sure you know and or, or whatever it is like you know uh kids passing out you know forcing each other to pass out like i don't know what the instance is but now we just live in this kind of like very the game of telephone used to be 
pretty wide open. You know what I'm saying? And now the game of telephone is is very so close. Like people see it, they do it, and they post it, and then they do it. You know, right, so right. so we just live in a kind of repeat, repeat. You know, society. I remember one when I was in Winnipeg. There was um like a water slide, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh yeah, some kid, some guy wedged a razor, razor blade. blade. Have you heard this one? No, but it's like everybody has a story <laughs> yeah, about razor the razor blade in the, in the water, water slide. slide. So when he went down, he got all oh. cut off. So anytime I still go on water slides, I'm always thinking that. Now, how hard would that be to do? There's like a million kids. You would have to stop, take out your razor blade, okay. stick it into the putty. Right. You know. So here's the interesting thing. It's like, who is doing that, right? So... Back in the day of the candy, it was always the, – the, it's the sadist. They call him the sadist, right? This is the guy who would do this. Like who would be so horrific to put a razor blade in candy? It must be a sadist. It must be the other. They call him the other. You know what I'm saying? This is somebody who would want to harm children. And so what it was – was it happened? In the, it started happening in the seventies, and the reason the fear came in, in the seventies because there were a lot of different nationalities that were in your neighborhood in the seventies. So you weren't knocking on, you know, Beaver Cleaver's door all anymore. You might be knocking on a Hispanic person's door or a black person's door right. or a Korean person's door. You know, yeah. don't get candy from them because who knows who, what <laughs> that what traditions evil foreigners <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's always about. A lot of our, our things are about the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny too. Um, I have two last questions for you. Um, or this was a good one. The, the father who killed Tim Timmy with the cyanide. <laughs> he's nuts. So completely guy. nuts. And and he's finally ends up getting executed. Maybe ten years later or something mm-hmm. like this. But the best part of all was it's like there's one point in time where it's like the, the you've been charged with. Not with murdering your son, with spoiling Halloween. Right, like he's he, the man who killed Halloween. Who ruined Halloween for everybody. And he's like, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> right. like, what an asshole. It's Phil Donahue. Yeah, right? it's Phil Donahue. <laughs> yeah, you guys can go on YouTube and probably find it. Phil Donahue <laughs> interviews the man who ruined Halloween right, and, he, and killed his son. Right, right, exactly. Right? You are the man who killed Halloween. You know, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was oh. like, this is rich. But, you know, it was – so the other thing was – not only that, this there was a time in Texas where they weren't executing people. And there was like a moratorium on executions. And the first guy back they wanted to execute after not executing was this dude. And all the people rallied around the non – like it was like the people were like, we can't kill anybody. And then they're like, OK, but what about this guy? Yeah. He killed his own kid. He's like – and they're like – you see, they almost gave pause. They're almost like, well, maybe he can go, you know, but it, it was and very interesting. He ruined Halloween. Kill him. There's people outside with signs with like, you know, like needles drawn on signs. Like, kill him. Kill him. <laughs> he ruined Halloween. And so he was this a crazy religious nut. And, you know, right. like evangelical. I forget what it was. And he just like refused to say that he did it. Yeah. Everybody knew he did it. He had like a double signature on the insurance policy. Mm. And he was just—he was just a crazy freak. The other one, actually, there was a, you use a clip from the movie *Urban Legends*, and the one that I always heard was the Pop Rocks one. It, yeah. it was if you, yeah. it was if you pop Mikey, Mikey, yeah. Mikey eats it with Diet Coke. Oh, the guy who played Mikey, right? Actually, did this like that was the *Urban no, Legends*. No, no, it was it was oh. the kid. Uh, oh, the kid in the movie is called Mikey. No, Mikey oh. likes it. 
What was it? I can't remember. So that if you eat Pop Rocks and you drink Diet Coke, your head will explode. Right, your stomach's going to explode. And, and somehow Mikey from, from, Life, forget, Cereal from Kid. Life Cereal yeah. Kid did it and he died or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Needless to say, I'm sure you didn't research that one for too long. No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> you, you never found any cases of someone's stomach exploding from the Pop Rocks. I think we the, looked at that. I, I actually think we looked at like exploding foods. Expl- you just have a case of the shits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so last question with all these great things that you've done. I mean, like I said, the, 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 the movies are great. Killer Legends and Cropsey, and they're really worth checking out. Is this kind of your genre now? Do you want to continue more in this vein of things? Or plus, you mentioned Killing Fields too, which Killing is season, yeah. Killing Season. Sorry, yeah. which is kind of in the same world. Um, is this now, you know, Josh's thing? thing or, or? Um, you know, I got a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I like true crime, but weirdly enough, I just finished a movie about a, a, a mysterious whale. Hmm. I did a movie about a whale called uh, uh, Fifty Two: Search for the Loneliest Whale. And uh, it's still a, a mystery, and it's still. But we went out to search for a whale mm. who who is a, a legend, a okay. legendary so whale. So you like dealing with this another form of a legend? Yeah, yeah. I like I, li- I like these legends. I like kind of demystifying. I like you know, kind of um, not taking away the power of the urban legend of the legend, but actually just adding to it. That's the whole fun thing. People, every time you like do a more thorough search, you only add to the legend. Mm-hmm. You don't take away. That's true. And so that's there's a kid that you have on there, and he, he he's just kind of a dopey kid. He's got a girl with like green hair, which green he didn't hair. show. But he was actually he said something really smart. I said like the legend will eventually fade away, but it takes a long time. Yeah, he's like legends last for a long last time. Last for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's a kid from Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but he was right. I he mean, is, that's he, the truth. He, he is right, and and you know that's what we learned about Cropsey. I went, I went back to the mental institution, the abandoned mental institution, like three or four years ago and this is like 10 years after Cropsey had been mm-hmm. done and and what was so interesting is the kids had taken Cropsey and they had taken American Horror Story and they had mixed it all together and now like our movie became a new chapter and then there was another like some guy just made a movie called like the Cropsey Incident mm-hmm. where he like it's about two documentarians going in the woods and then something happens to them, you know what I'm saying? And right. so I, I just like the idea of 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 people taking these stories and co-opting them and making them their own and adding to them. Well, That's what's fun. Legends live forever. That's always the same, right? Yeah, yeah. What's the last question? What's the most fascinating out of all these things that we've talked about to you? Like to me, it was the Halloween story. Uh, I have to admit that my favorite, and I'm trying to get this off the ground, is the uh, – Devil worshiping. Mm. I'm I'm a big like satanic panic fan, and so I have a satanic specific, panic. That's great. Yeah, I have a very specific case of satanic panic that I'm trying to. That'll be the next one. I think so. Yes. Well, like I said, man, I'm hooked. Thank I'll you. tell you what, man, great stuff. Thanks for having me. Awesome dude. All right, thanks to Josh Zeman. Check out his documentary Killer Legends now on Netflix. Creepy and fascinating at all the same time. And thanks again to Josh for sharing more urban legend stories with us. I know you guys love these uh, paranormal, supernatural type shows. I loved them as well. I always thought that that Halloween candy uh, urban legend was real. 
and it turns out it wasn't until it became real because of the legend. So very, very cool stuff. Uh, speaking of cool stuff, thank you for booking your cabins for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. We set sail October 27th. We still have a few cabins left, but as the plot thickens, go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And remember, everything is included in your price, as we know for sure that the Alpha Club, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson, will be teaming up on the Jericho Cruise. We know there will be a live talk as Jericho with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, one of my all-time heroes as a kid. There will be a talk as Jericho remembering the amazing uh, Eddie Guerrero with Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. uh, live on board the ship. And we know the first round of the Sea of Honor tournament held by Ring of Honor uh, has been announced. Jay Lethal versus BJ Whitmer, Christopher Daniels versus Delirious, Marty Skrull versus Rhett Titus, Silas Young versus Flip Gordon. That's bracket number A. Bracket B, Mark Briscoe versus Will Ferrara, Adam Page versus Kazarian, Cheeseburger versus Beer City Bruiser, and Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King is bracket two. You know you're going to see Mick Foley doing his 20 Years of Hell uh, stand-up show. You know for sure you're also going to get Impact versus Ring of Honor, and it looks like the match is pretty much official. Sammy Callahan versus Marty Skrull will be taking place on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea, along with so many others. Pat Patterson karaoke, Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Ron Funches, Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers doing stand-up comedy, Fozzie, Corey Taylor, Phil Campbell, the Bastard Sons, King, the Stir, the Dave Spivak Project, the Cherry Bomb, Shoot to Thrill, Blizzard of Ozzy. So many will be there. Kenny Omega will be there as well. The whole Bullet Club will be there. we got so much more to announce and so much more to make official on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Remember, all of these activities are all-inclusive when you book your cabin. You don't have to pay another dime. You get to do all of these things completely for free when you uh, buy your cabin at Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling rager at sea go to chrisjerichocruise.com and go be a part of history don't miss out you're not going to want to miss this we're going to make this an annual destination vacation and we're setting sail october 27th from miami to the bahamas making history and speaking of making history rolling stone magazine one of the greatest rock and roll news publications of the last 50 years just uh, changed ownership changed format and we're going to discuss the history of rolling stone magazine right here on Talk is Jericho. All the ups and downs of the magazine and, and, and all the political aspects of it, all the classic rock and roll aspects of it, all the classic covers, the rock and roll stories behind the covers. We'll all be here. Rolling Stone officials, Rolling Stone writers, and Chris Jericho meeting to discuss one of the greatest magazines of the 21st century. We're talking about Rolling Stone magazine on the cover of the Rolling Stone this Wednesday. Until then, have a great weekend. In the meantime and in between time, Stay hard, stay hungry, stay cool. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. Oh, yeah. Don't eat poison Halloween candy.